swamps on Dagobah to the ice cream stands of Bespin, this is the Star Warriors podcast. The Empire Strikes Back is arguably the most popular movie in the franchise, and this year it is celebrating its 40th anniversary. So today we're going to talk all about what it means to us, and for that, as usual, I have some of my favorite scruffy-looking nerfers on the show with us. Uh, so joining me today, why don't you guys uh, introduce yourselves? All right, not everybody all at once, okay? That's right. All right. This is Ruben. How you doing? This is Rocco. Hey, everyone. This is Colin here. This is Moses here. How you guys doing? Hey, Jake here. <laughs> Dog Falker. All right, guys. So uh, Empire Strikes Back hitting its 40th anniversary in 2020, make, making us all pretty old at this point, you know, middle-aged men. Um, we were just kind of talking about this in the uh, the pre-show about um, where our fandom started, um, what these movies meant to us when we were kids, stuff like that. So let's get into it. The earliest memory of Empire Strikes Back. Rocco, go. God, my earliest memory of Empire. Um, I was born in the mid-80s, so I had like missed, obviously, that first uh, scramble to Star Wars, if you will. I actually didn't start like really diving deep into Star Wars till I was like ten. Like I had seen parts of the movies, but I hadn't like sat down for an entire one. And I remember, uh, for those of you that remember, uh, remember when Wegmans had uh, the ability to rent movies? Like they had a whole rental section. Yeah. So like I remember I was uh, with my dad for the weekend. And uh, we like went there and he's like, oh, do you have you seen Star Wars? And I'm like, kind of. And he's like, well, you're older. Like we should get them. We should rent them. And we did. And we went back to my grandparents house. And I just remember putting in four, finishing that and then putting an empire like immediately after and sitting in like the dark while my dad was passed the fuck out. (laughs) And I'm just staring at the screen, just taking it all in as like a 10 year old. And I, I very, very distinctly remember that. And the freaking uh, Wegmans, those big ass plastic cases that the VHS tapes would be in, like stacked right next to me, all three movies. And it was just it was just the most badass thing. I fell asleep before Return of the Jedi, but I watched that in the morning, I remember. And that's definitely my first distinctive memory of Empire Strikes Back. It's my favorite movie of all time. Dude. That is such an awesome memory. Me, all I have is just my childhood, very much like Rocco. Born in the mid-80s, so I missed the hype and train of all Star Wars as it was happening. But I just specifically remember being seven or eight, and we were visiting my uncle in Virginia. And he had this bonkers home entertainment system. And he was showing off all his new laser disc collection and sure enough empire strikes back was one of those and it was the first time that I, at least i can remember watching <clears throat> was on that surround sound system and i was just completely and utterly blown away by the sound that i was hearing but also just everything about it was so it was so much fun throughout that whole movie it now it doesn't I'm not going to get into that part, but that's the first time I remember watching it was just this wonderful sound. And then I just remember associating Laserdisc or just home theater with Star Wars from then on. And that is the only way that I could watch Star Wars was 
without with some sort of surround sound or 5.1 Dolby Digital in my face happening. That's how it goes. Um, yeah, see, I was, I mean, I was only one years old when that movie came out, so I don't remember watching it. My first memory of Star Wars was, I remember lying on the floor watching Return when it first came out, like on HBO, which means it must have been a year after that came out, so I must have been like four or five years old. But I know, I knew the story. So while I don't remember actually sitting down to watch the first one in Empire, I do remember specifically knowing the story. And I also remember th- wondering, will there be another snow scene? So obviously Hoth stuck in my memory. And I remember thinking if they would explain the cave scene, because I do remember not realizing what that meant at the time. I mean, you know, I was like four or five years old, but I just, I remember like being confused and wondering where that goes. And so while I don't remember the actual, like sitting down to watch it, those two scenes kind of crept through. And those were like my first memories, I guess, of, of empire. These are all pretty sweet memories, man. Um, Honestly speaking, uh, I was born in 81, but I had two older brothers, um, you know, like five or six years older than I was. So they were they were alive and well into like toy collecting when Star Wars was a thing. Um, so my brothers had the bed sheets. My brothers kept the Betamax. Like, that's how... Oh, like I watched Star Wars on Betamax, not on VHS, you know? <laughs> so my earliest memories of Empire are truly from like four, five, six years old. I can't recall specific moments, but I know I've been watching it for that long. Um, the the memory that I keep with me of Star Wars and watching the trilogy or, you know, and, that, and the movies in sequence for the first time is probably around nine years old. And I remember it because my mom went to a party so my two older brothers had a party and they shoved me in her room and my brother put on a new hope and he's like when this is done you put this one on when that's done you put this one on and i didn't fall asleep i stayed up and i watched all three of those movies (laughs) and then i witnessed the most glorious ass whooping ever that my mom ever handed out but other than that that's like my first memory of of like watching empire so the ass whooping to, was to your brothers, not you, obviously, right? Yeah, no, for sure. I was, <laughs> li- listen, I was out. By the time she came in through the bedroom door, it was eyes closed, head on the pillow. <laughs> so I was born in 89, so I way missed the original theatrical release. Uh, though I don't remember it, I apparently saw episode four five and six in theaters when they did the re-release six was the only one i remember in theaters uh so my first memory on this one was for christmas i got the the gold vhs box set and it was watching it on vhs that was my first memory of empire was that box set there was other the the, which one was the widescreen there was like one was widescreen one was like normal right um, silver and the gold box sets, I think. Yeah, I, th- I don't know which one was which, but there was a silver and a gold one, and I had the gold box set. Gold was widescreen. Nice. Yeah. My first memory is uh, I remember watching them out of order. Like, we would have to rent them from the library because um, we didn't couldn't afford to buy them. So we, uh, I remember seeing Return of the Jedi, which... 
it might get some debate in here, but that's my favorite one of that trilogy. And um, I second that. And Empire came after, and I remember being like, "What the? This these movies don't make any sense. Like, why is?" Why is it ending? But then they go back and like, this is such a weird way. And then it, you know, it was years later when it finally clicked that I was watching them out of order. But um, yeah, Battle of Hoth. I mean, we'll we'll get into it. So anyway, that's my first memory. Those are some great memories, guys. Thanks for sharing those with you, with all of us. Um, I'm going to share one. And this is the only good time I'm really going to answer any of these questions because I think it is an important one. But like Casey, I also kind of... Um, had them out of order growing up to the point where I have really early memories of like thinking that Darth Vader was coming into like Jabba's palace at that point. I was that young where I just didn't really understand what was going on, but watching the movies, um, I don't remember empire as a kid. I remember maybe the Wampa, you know, maybe that scene was probably the most influential and, uh, memorable. But other than that, I, I think that Jedi was probably, what I can remember is as a kid, but I do remember going to the re-release Casey and we had to sit in the front row of the, of the theater and my neck hurt after that because we didn't buy tickets soon enough. So that, yeah. that's not a great, memory, but we did get to see it on the big screen. Thankfully. So that's it. All right. So next up guys, let's talk a little bit about our favorite character arc from the movie. Uh, so a new hope introduced us to all the characters, our favorite rebels and Imperials. Um, I think it's easy to say Luke is the the favorite character uh, arc from Empire Strikes Back, and it's fine if it is yours. Um, but let's uh, let's talk a little bit about your favorite character in Empire. All right. So as it's no secret, uh, Vader being my favorite character, um, I would say his character arc in Empire I loved. Uh, even growing up, because I felt like it really fleshed his character out from four. I think for uh, the original, you know, A New Hope, there wasn't, you know, Darth Vader, he breathes weird, he's big and scary. But, like, the big, most distinct thing I remember was him being the most fearsome villain as he is literally just murdering people on different bridges of Star Destroyers. Like, just without, just defy me and you're dead. And, God, the promotions in, in the Imperial Navy... I mean, great, <laughs> great promotion structure. Um, but I digress. Like, I, I love that. And then before, you know, the prequels were out, obviously, uh, before any of the movies were out, when it was just these three movies, I always wondered how long Vader knew that Luke was his son. And that was something, obviously, that gets explored later on, um, obviously. Um, but that, to me, was always a question I had that I thought made Vader so much deeper, was that we didn't have an answer. Did he always know that was his son? You know, and again, that would definitely be my favorite character arc. You make it so hard for me because you pick the one that is just the most genuinely awesome through it. <laughs> <laughs> because it, you, you talk about that, that evolution, how you see that. Yeah, he goes from being this badass bad guy, your quintessential, I need a dark villain. Here is a guy who's literally all dressed in black and has no human face. So it's easy to, you know, to identify as villain. Um, and it's then evolved 
in Empire Strikes Back. The, I watched it again today just because I, I needed to find an excuse to do that. <laughs> and I, it's the very end. It's the moment when the Falcon escapes and he turns away halfway away from the from the the window and then looks back just slightly you know he's just kind of like this then looks and then just continues away and he's walking down the bridge and you see um piet looks at him just shit in his pants like oh god i told him i disabled the hyperdrive i'm next (laughs) i'm dead and someone is getting my promotion at this point and if if you look I, i don't know if i've if maybe i made this up but Vader kind of glances over to him and then they cut to Piet just kind of watching him go and he just continues walking by. And it's just such a it's such a human moment for Vader in that instance where you're just like, oh, God, there's a person under there. We, we now have this this huge reveal about him as a character, but as a human or as a person that we can identify with. That's huge and just the subtlest nods and moments from the physical acting is just 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 adds that little bit to it so i gotta (laughs) pick up that torch you put put and lit there rocco and i'm gonna bring it on over here to the rest of the conversation yeah that actually mentioning that just gave me the chills because yeah i mean both in that and it just brings out like i think in return when he's talking to luke and he leaves he does that double look when Luke says he has to do his thing. And that comes back to the Mandalorian with the helmet and the acting and Vader and how it was directed, especially in empire was so well done with like, you know, no facial expression, the ability to kind of display all those emotions. Um, but as far as arc and stuff, I think I didn't really get the Jedi's as much as a child, you know, four or five years old. And by the time I was watching Return is when I liked Luke and Jedi's. In Empire, I was a fan of Han and in the first one. And so to kind of see him now, I remember being excited that he was now with the Rebels. Because, you know, in the first one, he was just like, I'll help you for the money. But now he's like a general or whatever, commander, whatever he was. And he's like helping them. And then he has a friend. I'm like, oh, there's a backstory. There's so much more here. Who's this friend who's not a friend? And so I re- I just Han's arc and just being betrayed and and all that was super big to me. It, it it was like one of the first movies to me where you know I realized the first one had you know back in the Clone Wars you helped me, but it it wasn't till the second one where I felt like oh my god this is a whole world everybody has histories and people they know and people they've interacted before everything's happened. And it wasn't until, yeah, it wasn't until like the Hans moments where that was starting to kick in as a child and realizing that there's so much more to, to a script and to a movie and to a story. And so I just remember appreciating that so much. Yeah, I love that, that everybody's yeah. kind of um, hitting on these notes about, you know, specifically about the question about character arcs. Um, and I think that the one constant is the writing, right? Because uh, Kasdan, Lawrence Kasdan is a genius. Um, And I I shared uh, a podcast that I had recently heard with him uh, that he was a a guest on Script Notes. And listening to him talk about writing Empire and approaching Empire after sitting down and watching A New Hope, 
the comparisons he made, you know, were like the it's kind of like a roller coaster ride, and you hope doesn't stop to give you those moments to flesh out those characters. It's just one note the whole way through. And Kasdan, you know, he was like he uh, something he said he stuck out to me was that he's like you're lucky if you got three lines out of somebody in one spot you know and what he decided to do was slow those moments down so for me my favorite story arc is everybody's favorite general and princess leia because in one she's just this ultimate hard body hard nose badass and she continues that trend all the way through until about halfway uh of the movie and then we start to see her softer side and she starts to let her guard down and show her emotion her real emotions towards han and so to see her to see that side but know that she's still this hardened war hero uh to me that 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 created a full character um and and a great character and she's always been one of my favorites so you know hats off to lawrence kasdan for having the foresight of seeing these characters for who they truly were and slowing George's pace down half a beat and giving him giving them time to breathe and develop. Uh, and for me, it's 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 Leia. It's always been Leia. Uh, it's Vader. I have to mm-hmm. agree with Rocco. It's 100 percent Vader, um, mainly because this is where I think we start to get one of the more interesting things I see in Star Wars. And the it's the Vader Anakin Skywalker dichotomy that they are not the same person and it's even acknowledged when the emperor is talking about luke in the first scene that they're together in and he goes it's anakin skywalker's son he doesn't say it's your son it's anakin skywalker's son and vader's like well that can't be and by the end of the movie vader acknowledges that he is luke's father that he is anakin skywalker and that's like the big reveal And I think that also starts to be the break for Vader where Anakin starts to return, which leads to his redemption at the end of episode six. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say Loba, but you guys kind of nailed it with the Vader thing. (laughs) (laughs) Loba does shine. No one is fighting for the Wampa at all. I haven't gone yet. (laughs) Honestly, though, it's it is it's Vader. I mean, that's it, because as everyone's already said, you you see him as being like this pure evil being and you don't really get any idea as to, you know, oh, you were my apprentice and now I'm the master. And it's like, okay, you know, fine. And then in this one, it was like, oh, shit, you're a dad and you you're trying to kill your son, dude. And like. What's going on? Did you not know it was your son? And it's just like, boo, 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 like so many synapses exploded once that reveal happened. But and not only that, just like the betrayal that we'll talk about later, you know, with Lando and stuff like that. There's just so many things going on with Vader in this movie that um, it really kind of, you know, the default is Luke. And I could say Luke a thousand times over, but because you already knocked it out, I'm going to say Vader. Knock it out the box, Luke um yeah absolutely guys those are all correct answers nobody's right or this wrong this is a quiz <laughs> okay yes oh 
the the only answer is it's the greatest love story of all time next to Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> yeah. It's an inside joke from Casey and I, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Between C-3PO and R2-D2, right? That was the love <laughs> that we're talking about here. Casey can explain it if he wants. Cross Lost Stars. <laughs> yes, Lost Stars. <laughs> I was, uh, lost Stars. I've been uh, watching over my, my two nieces. She's like two and four, and I've gotten the four-year-old completely into Star Wars. And, you know, I was explaining Anakin and Padme and how they got married and showing her in the little, you know, kids book that I got her that they're married. And then she was looking in R2 and C-3PO in the background. She's like, what if they two got married? (laughs) (laughs) These are these are the beautiful eyes of new generations right there. That's it. (laughs) Okay, so um, I think I think we all had the privilege of seeing these movies before the prequels came out. Right. Um, Yeah. And so the prequels introduced the whole idea of the Jedi, what we, what George Lucas wanted it, you know, for us to understand what the Jedi were about, their politics, everything that happened before. So now that we see Yoda and the Jedi, well, I guess Yoda, Obi-Wan, through different eyes in the original trilogy, how does that, how does knowing the previous events change your perspective watching, say, Empire Strikes Back or the OT? I mean, I think seeing the prequels, I don't know. I was young when I saw the, the saw the prequels for the first time. Um, I was fairly young. I went to the theater for all of them, though, um, except for um, obviously uh, episode three. I was in I was a freshman in college when that came out. So obviously I wasn't that young there. But really to, to process those movies, like really study them and then apply them to the original trilogy and I feel like it changes, you know, so many, so many story arcs. I think that the best thing that the prequels did was really give us that Anakin story that I think can then be mirrored to what we see in Empire. Then it, it becomes, was he really this family man? Like, if you remember in episode three, when um, Anakin said, uh, was so happy that Padme was pregnant. Like, those of you in here that are dads, I, I, I see that scene and I remember how happy I was when my wife was pregnant. And then to imagine all of that being just ripped away from you, just freaking ripped away from you. And I think that the prequels, I really displayed that so well that it, it adds more layers to Vader in Empire when he finally, in my mind, musters the strength to tell Luke that he's his dad. And that, I think, maybe doesn't get talked about as much. But, I mean, what it had to have taken Vader to, like, look your son in the eye as a mass murderer and say, by the way, I'm your dad. And I, I think that the prequels really set that up. Um, I would say that's the biggest thing that sticks in my mind. And for me, it, I, I kind of approach it in terms of a different perspective personally. I just still, my brain just compartmentalizes them as their own subset of movies. And I, the only time, the only time that I ever will think of the prequels when I'm watching the, the OG is the moment when Obi-Wan says, there you will go to, there you will learn from Yoda, the Jedi master who instructed me lies, asshole. That's not what happened. (laughs) That's the only time, the only time that my brain goes to the prequels uh, every other time it's literally the 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 
a new hope empire and jedi live in their own pocket of nostalgia and and love where my brain immediately shuts off everything i know about those prequels and goes i love this story for what it is everything that yoda's talking about he's it's like he's been training the hundreds of thousands of Jedis, but I've never seen him stand in a room with younglings who have toilet bowls on their heads as they swing a saber back and forth, blocking a laser dart. I, I don't have that memory in my head as this is happening. So it that it changes nothing for me, ultimately, except that moment in the snow. That's it. Yeah, I think uh, I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, it's a very conflicting emotion because I, I really love more Star Wars. Anything Star Wars, I'll just love. Oh, you want to do that? That's fine. But I'm also a huge fan, like I mentioned with Han, with and with all these, just the idea that there's so much more. Not everything has to be spelled out. You know, I love the mystery of the what were the Clone Wars? You know, what went down? And I love that mystery. And sure, you want to tell those stories. Oh, cool, we get to see it, and I loved it, and there's new Star Wars. But in the end... To me, I keep them separate. They're like, okay, there's, you know, there's the old stories, as in like the old Clone War stories, and then there's the original trilogy stories, and then there's the future ones. And I'll give credit to the future ones where they try to like actually not, in, you know, involve themselves too much to that trilogy. And you know, as convoluted and as mixed match and unplanned as it was. It was more of its own story versus the connection that you have between one, two, and three, and four, five, and six. And so four, five, and we you know one, two, and three was trying to explain and fill in all these holes. And there was a part of me where I was like, okay, I'm loving all this, but do you really need to explain every single thing? And you know, sometimes you're just creating more plot holes doing that. Um, but. I am a Ewan McGregor fan, and I loved him as Obi-Wan, and Obi-Wan has always been my favorite Jedi. I mean, until Kanan, obviously, but that's a whole different subject. So it was kind of cool to see Obi-Wan, and obviously, you know, to see the downfall, to see Anakin versus Obi-Wan. I think from the moment they said the prequels were being, were made, I, I'm pretty sure this is all of us. None of us really cared anything about about anything except for that last 20 minutes of episode three. Like, we all wanted, like, oh, we're finally going to see what went down between Obi-Wan and, and yeah. you know, like, that was it. And, I mean, they, at least they did that one pretty good, and that was, was pretty good. Um, but, yeah, I, like, like Colin, I think for the most part, I keep, I, I've tried to keep each. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Casey, we know you don't like the flipping around stuff. But um, overall, yeah, like, I, I keep them separate. And, yeah, they're both good, but... When I when I do watch four, five, and six, I try to take it with the mystery of I wonder what had happened kind of thing. Um, even though now when I do my marathons, I you know I go chronological. I go one, two, Clone War cartoon, three, and et cetera, et cetera. Well then, <laughs> it's no secret in this group that I am a lover of the prequels. Um, I do. I I love the prequels. Uh, I think that they add so much more to Star Wars. They add so much more to that original trilogy. And yes, there are some things that don't need to be explained. The Force was beautiful the way that Yoda described it in Empire. We didn't need to find out that little organisms live in their blood and they coincide with every living thing in, uh, in the world. That, was, that wasn't needed. But that was George. You know, that was a decision George made. Um, to me... You know, and again, it's it's a beat in the story uh, that 
so much so that that's the kind of stuff I throw away that I say, okay, I don't need that. I don't, I don't need that from this prequel. Uh, the force is what Yoda told me the force was. Uh, so when I watch, uh, what throws me off when I watch four, five, and six after following up one, two, and three, and then, uh, putting rogue one between it, um, or whatever, um, it's the, it's the thought of Obi-Wan's age and the look, but again, that's being picky. Uh, to me, I feel it does add so much more to the lore, uh, it, talking about vader i mean that is probably one of the greatest stories ever told that scene right before he leaves to go get his mom and they go to the they go and they and him and padme are standing in front of each other and she's looking at him and you look at the shadow and it looks like vader like the shadow of anakin anakin's shadow looks like vader like he's wearing the, the the helmet and everything uh so to me it's like that that was on something on another level so yeah did i skip i skipped moses didn't i i'm sorry i apologize or no i didn't did i go in the right order no no okay shadow i love the poster from uh episode one with the kid and the shadow and the like that's the famous poster speaking of shadows but yeah no i i said my thing (laughs) okay sorry i thought i cut you off Okay, are you guys all ready for my dissertation on the Jedi Masters and the corruption at the higher level of the Order? Um, oh, God. Yes, Here we go. all of this changes my view of the Jedi. <laughs> um, first of all, we figure out Obi-Wan and Yoda are liars. They run and hide when they could have helped other Jedi like Kanan, Ezra, and Kale. The Jedi Masters are horrible people who were corrupted by power. And these movies prove it, the sequels prove it, and the fact that Ezra seeked out Obi-Wan, and he's like, mm, no, go, I got this Luke kid that, like, may not even do anything, but I gotta watch over this, I don't care that you're Force-sensitive, go fuck off, so, um, yeah, uh, everything that's established really changed my view of the Jedi, and how horrible of people they are. Also, children kidnappers. Honestly, same. I mean, it's a little it's almost like four, five, and six are their own separate movies after everything that's happened with the one through three, the Clone Wars, Rebels, and seven, eight, and nine, to be honest with you. Is like four, five, and six is almost like an Elseworlds tale at this point. Where it was like, Oh, this is something that could have happened from a certain point of view, but like the real story is are all these other things because when it comes down to it, like the Jedi are pompous assholes who never deserve to be generals at all. The fact that they had that power put on them only made them more corrupt and stupid and blind to all the things that are happening in the galaxy, let alone right next door with Senator Palpatine. So yeah, it almost like, it doesn't. It absolutely does not tarnish those movies whatsoever for me. Ever, nothing will ever be able to touch four, five, and six as one of the greatest trilogies, if not the greatest trilogy in existence. Which is probably why we're all here. But it almost now, with everything, all the comics and the books and the and the cartoons that we've watched, it's almost like those movies are so like. We're going to put in this Han Solo character because you guys like him. He's cool. But it doesn't really matter 
this is what matters. Watch the Clone Wars. Watch Rebels. Because this is the shit that happened. This is just <laughs> this own... These three movies are their own little point in his... And, and 7, 8, and 9 do not help those three movies at all with making them any better or making them even worse. It's almost kind of like they're their own separate things as well. So, you, you know, it's kind of sucks, like... That's why I know we were all excited about the High Republic. Get out of this fucking sandbox because you're screwing it up. And I'm not a person who gets behind a keyboard and is like, you're ruining my childhood. I don't ever feel that way. But it does really make you feel like with as much Star Wars as I consume, it's almost like 4, 5, and 6 in Rogue One and stuff like that. Uh, 7, 8, 9. And then 1 through Solo. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and those, you know what I mean? Like, that's it. Like, that's like they're all connected in their own way. Four, five, and six. You know, I don't see Hera. I don't really see Rex. So it doesn't really have any connection to one, two, and three. And seven, eight, and nine are kind of like, well, you just shit on these people that I've loved my entire life. So fuck you. So th- that's kind of how I feel. And all right, I'm done with my soapbox. Yeah, but one, see- one quick ad there. Oh, sorry. Oh, well, I was uh, just gonna say. I think that's one. Actually, one of the reasons I liked Luke. I mean, you know, everybody's gonna burn me on the stake for this, but that's one of the reasons I liked Luke in um, in eight. I mean, because he's feeling exactly what you're feeling. It was just like, yo, the oh, Jedi yeah. were just pump this piece of crap at that point. Like, I'm just gonna go down. I'm just gonna t- let this, you know, die off. Like, there's no reason. And so I, I kind of, you know saw that in him and and i you know it made me like that movie and and at least not go completely against his decision but whatever that that's another whole podcast (laughs) luke's storyline in eight is absolutely amazing um four five and six are republic propaganda written from the viewpoint of the republic and that's why the jedi are idealized in it everything else is either written from the view of the empire or historians that are less bias in the story well, didn't or historically someone... accurate, yeah. There's reviews that Clone Wars is supposed to be like propaganda. That's why it starts with like, oh, Clone like, Wars is, and then the the Jendi is the, is the actual the real yeah, one. Exactly. Um, but yeah, to, and to what Jake had said earlier, um, one of the reasons there there's a scene near the end. I think it was like the final season before the final season of Clone Wars where Yoda does his own little tr- trip and, you know, with Qui-Gon, the, the, the force kind of, the spirit force. I forget what had happened, but like the very, very, very last scene of that episode is him realizing that the Clone Wars isn't the end and that there's something n- next. Like somehow, I don't know how detailed he knows in his head, but he realizes that this is over. We're not going to win this. And the next generation, i.e. Luke, is what it is. And I do feel like both him and Obi-Wan knew that there were other ones hiding out. But they realized that right now the biggest menace was Vader. And that the only way to do it was with one of his children. And so I feel like that's what, I mean, I don't know. I think this was somewhere mentioned in Legends. I don't know if it's still canon. But one of the reasons supposedly Yoda was there was because of that dark side cave. It kept the 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 sith from being able to sense his presence because he was so close to this dark side area and so yoda specifically hid their purpose um and so that kind of ties into why they wouldn't help other people or whatever 
Um, but, you know, they, they can ruin that. You know, they, people joke that they're going to make another one of the Fallen Order games. And they're like, oh, yeah, maybe he should go to Dagobah and train with Yoda. And I'm like, no, because then you're now you're really convoluting things. Like, he's hiding there specifically for Luke. Like, oh. don't bring other people in there for more training at this point. Absolutely, guys. There's, um, I guess... I guess going off of all that stuff, this is why I love this group because I love all the different opinions and the different ways we look at the perspectives of of Star Wars. And I think you know with the Disney acquisition, that's allowed to do it even more now because we grew up with all the nostalgia, what we remember, what these movies meant to us, and all of a sudden that all got renewed in 2012, and we have all this new content being thrown at us and changing our universe. So I'm glad that we have this opportunity to always talk about all the new stuff coming out and comparing it to how we felt as kids. Um, so let's, um, let's jump over to the bad guy side of things. Uh, Empire Strikes Back introduced a brand new uh, wave of characters. Uh, we did meet Greedo in the first movie uh, as a bounty hunter. And now on the executor, we met a bunch of new bounty hunters uh, from Bubba Fett, Forlum, Dezuckus, you know, all these great guys. Um, so who is your favorite bounty hunter from that scene and why? Well, I mean, I'm going to be that guy. I mean, both that just stuck out. Uh, I mean, I remember, I specifically remember being a kid and just immediately just being, who the fuck is that guy? Like, that was my reaction. You know, we've got this other armored, helmeted dude um, who's a man of few words as well. Um, you know, what did he say? As you wish was like his biggest line, like no disintegrate as you wish, whatever. It's all he, he said. And then he had some lines later on in cloud city. Um, but you know, just that armor and that helmet, he looks so menacing. He looks so badass. And I just remember being a kid, just being like, I want to know everything about this guy. You know, that's, that's where I'm at. A Mandalorian. What is that? What does that even mean? Mandalorian armor? I don't even know, but I want to know more. Just tell me more of what this is. Um, so yeah, Boba Fett, hands down. Uh, obviously, I think it was cool to have such a, a strange group of aliens as bounty hunters and even the droids. I thought that that, that lineup in itself was neat. Obviously, Bosk was very interesting, being the transition. Um, you know, and I thought it was neat, but hands down, of that whole group, Boba Fett was definitely the, uh, the, uh, the scum I enjoyed the most. <laughs> Look, Rocco, I get it. You're short, but you don't always have to go with the lowest hanging fruit. Jesus. <laughs> I'm on mute, but I literally wow. Jesus too. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry. No, I'm just I'm just kidding. Thanks, Colin. I love you. <laughs> you're not kidding. Oh, oh what are you what are you gonna say? You're gonna say you you're gonna say Forlom, you know, Zuckis? Come on, man. No, like, no, I'm actually I'm actually look, gonna... there's only two right answers here. I'm okay. <laughs> Come on. There's two right answers here. The rest uh like... no prequel man. There's there are not two answers. There's more than two. There's I mean two answers. I mean there's maybe five maybe answers, maybe four. Maybe four. Maybe Tell four. Me, actually then who is actually let's wait. Let's wait for you. Okay. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let, Go ahead, I'll I'll let you borrow my soapbox when I'm done. Okay. So uh, I I agree. Boba Boba's the guy. Boba's the one that you you take away from it. Yeah. You 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 know, you see the the droid. You see the Trandoshan. You see um the the who's the wounded guy that that shows up. The, not the wounded guy, but the guy's got Dengar. the wrap around his head. Why am I? Dengar. <laughs> yes. 
you know, you, you it it's nice because you see a new world added into what the Empire is willing to do to get the job done. Like it's it's just such a, a great character in and of itself, the bounty hunters themselves. But Boba introduced us to all in the way that we fan talk. That is what started it. I just remember being a kid and talking about Boba Fett. What happened to him when he went into the Sarlacc pit? Did he get out? Oh, there were stories that he got out and he lost his leg. And, you know, did he actually survive? You know, did he end up taking off his helmet? Exactly the whole, what's a Mandalorian? Where's this armor coming from? Oh, there's a race of Mandalorians. There's a whole planet of guys just like Boba. He, he was the one that inspired an entire thought process and fandom that evolved into the beloved TV show that we did a podcast on. You don't really get many podcasts about Bosk. You know, just saying. Unfortunately. Yeah, I, like Bosk's one of your favorite, right, Chris? Um, but, yeah, I mean, I loved Boba, and I actually have some questions on that, because his name isn't mentioned in Empire. I mean, in the whole trilogy, I think his name is mentioned twice when Hans, in return, says, Boba Fett, Boba Fett, where? Literally, yeah. right? So, I mean, maybe you guys know, because I know you, you, you delved a lot more into the legends, but, I mean, was even Mandalorian mentioned back, th back then, or was it after the movies when other, see? So we didn't know any of that. Like, rewatching it now, I have a lot more respect for Bubba, but now we have issues with the Django and the clones, and we're not going to go into that. Um, as far as this question goes, I think IG-88, actually. Because I remember C-3PO and R2 having such a big role as droids. And I was excited to see another droid that had a more important role than just a background thing walking and beeping around. And, it, you know, it's just like all weird looking metallic kind of elongated. And I was just like, oh, who the hell is that guy? And so, you know, being able to see a, a similar droid kind of take action, be who he was in in the Mandalorian was was pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, uh, I think out of those out of those bounty hunters, IG eighty eight man. I mean, he was in the uh, game uh, Shadows, right? He was like one of the leaders. Oh, I remember being yeah. so ecstatic about that. <laughs> yeah, man. Frustrate, frustrating boss. He was. He was. I'm about to say that. I was like, do I remember him being one of the hardest ones, or is that just me? Maybe I wasn't that good. But yeah, no, man. IG-88, yeah. He's the one who did it for me. Nah, man. <clears throat> it was all about Zuckus for me, man. No, I'm just <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, definitely Boba Fett, man. Boba Fett was, you know, he captivated imaginations just with the armor it didn't you know we did we, we don't get a name i don't believe in empire i just finished watching it today as well so we don't get a name i think in the credits maybe um and even then i'd have to check but uh it was just the it was just the 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 costume the costume was literally badass it was one of those things that immediately drew your attention um and you know, Bosk was cool, you know, but it was like, you know, it's like a big lizard. And Dengar at the time, I, you know, I, I learned, obviously, who Dengar was through books, not not Empire. You know, to me, he was just an old guy with a wrap around his head. Like that didn't that didn't grab my attention. Um, and the other guys, they, they barely get half a beat on camera time, you know, so you don't really see them. And Vader does, you know, single out. um 
Boba Fett. So it's it's one of those things that it just draws your eye uh, through the story to him. Uh, so he's definitely the the scum and villainy that that got my attention. Uh, I was never a bad guy's kid, though. I always liked the good guys, no matter how cool they looked. All right, controversial opinion. Boba Fett sucks. Um, he is a weakling, and I think that <laughs> uh, I'm corrupted by seeing more stuff with him in it. His young Boba Fett in Clone Wars is horrible. He dies in the Sarlacc pit easily. He doesn't really do anything to catch Han, and Vader just hands him over, and then he shoots a couple bolts at Luke and takes off in Slave 1, which is cool. His ship is cool. Boba Fett is not. The best one is Bosk. I mean, I, I'll say at the time it was Boba Fett, but as time has gone on, it's IG-88. Um, I think, of course, the initial like, whoa, that helmet is fucking cool. But when Return of the Jedi came out, and he got dropped like a punk. Then I was like, eh, I think I like this robot dude instead. <laughs> So, yeah, you know, he was cool for Empire, but he turned out to be nothing but a punk, just like his old man. <laughs> fair, fair answers all wrong, all all around, all wrong, of course, because um, Dengar is the best. If y'all would have done your research back in the day about swoop bike racing and Corellia and Han Solo rivalry, you would have just fell in love with the guy, you know, well, you got Messed up by the best smuggler in the in the galaxy. Wanted that revenge. He was the only one driven by revenge in this whole storyline. That's it. Burn unit victim. That's it. He got burned up in a swoop bike race. (laughs) Isn't he wearing his bandages in Clone Wars with no scars? Like, that was an issue I had. I mean, I had that with Clone Wars. I was like, I loved him because I thought he was all burnt up and messed up. And I was like, that guy looks dangerous. But then he's like, ah, no, I'm going to wear these bandages just for fun. And I was like, why did you miss that opportunity? better so even and, oh wait before you go on though even better in the freemaker adventures trust me there's a couple pretty funny jokes in the freemaker adventures where like they're hiring someone is it it might i don't know if it's boss or someone but they're just like what what are you paying him this isn't bubba fett or something it's dengar <laughs> but speaking of um and obviously it's hard to tell now because i'm looking at it through disney's app uh, as we were talking but Bubba Fett is mentioned in Empire under supporting cast Jeremy Bullock. Um, again, they've done so many changes and iterations. I don't even know if, it, if Bubba Fett was in the original, original, you know, um, credits. But as of right now, in Empire's credits, Bubba Fett's name, Bubba Fett, is mentioned. Amazing. Thank you for that knowledge. That's, yeah, I mean, they, uh, they had to have the character for the movie, right? What are you going to call him? Like helmet, the dented helmet, you know, Bounty hunter number one or something, or who knows? Not, not, not Lucas. You know, he, he created that whole galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like writing that stuff down. So, all right, we're going to, uh, we're going to do this last question and then we're going to jump to a quick commercial. Um, so it's been a long time since we we're kids and we we're kids. We had a different perspective of how the world works. And so I want to ask you guys this question about, Lando's decision to betray Han. We're adults. We understand what gray area is now. What is your take on it? And do you agree with Lando's decision? Right on. Um, 
I have to say, starting out as a kid, like the first time when I saw that happen, it was definitely a gasp moment. Um, like I, I distinctly remember as a kid when the, that door opened and Vader was standing there and Han took those shots and Vader just made him his bitch. And uh, Lando's first words was, I had no choice. They got there. They got here before you did. I remember being a kid being like, you pussy. Like, and I'm a kid. You know what I mean? Like, I know. Like, I would, like, I, like, I have any idea. Um, but I remember just being so, so angry and obviously being super happy when he redeemed himself in, in Return of the Jedi, et cetera, et cetera. Um, now, growing up, being an adult, I don't want to say I agree with what Lando did, but I understand it. <laughs> like, I, I get what he had to do, and I would understand why in his situation. Um, again, but it doesn't mean that that's what I would have done or I necessarily, like, agree with it. Um, so that's definitely my stance on that. But I do have to say, I think that uh, Vader has the most badass line ever, and it's to Lando. And it's, perhaps you feel you're being treated unfairly? That that line to Lando, and I think it's pretty funny how odd that it, you know, you've got Vader's connection to Luke and Vader's connection to Obi-Wan, but his most badass line is to Lando. And, uh, but anyway, circling back, I, I just thought that was a fun, a fun tidbit there, but, uh, circling back. Yeah. As an adult, I, I get it, but I, I don't agree with it. I, I would honestly, as an adult, uh, well, to go back in years, I'm just like Rocco. I, I grew up thinking, you dick, how could you do that to your friends? Friendship is forever. You're supposed to be there for all of your buddies at all times. Fight the bad guys. Put together, you know. But as an adult, uh, I would do exactly as Lando did. I mean, here comes this guy that has come out of nowhere after God knows how long. We go way back. That That's usually like... Hey, 10 years ago, we roamed the galaxy being douchebags together, you know, and doing not so cool things. So Lando already knows that Han is not a good guy. And Lando's, as he's explaining, we're under the radar. We're trying to keep the Empire out of this stuff. I'm giving you reasons why you should understand why I did this right before I do this bad thing to you. And I would do the exact same thing. It's like, I'm in charge of the livelihood of other people, the lives of other people. These three, these one, this one dick I've known and two other so-and-sos that came along with him suddenly waltz into my space and I'm supposed to try to help them when I have a job to do? Sorry about your luck, mate. I'm going to defend the people who have been working with me day in and day out. Sorry about your feelings. Yeah, um, I remember being upset when he betrayed them. But even back then, um, I loved uh, – not I loved I, – I remember the line – I don't remember the detailed line. But he says something – I think Vader says something about Leia. And he says that wasn't part of the deal. Back to the, that other line you said. And that's when I realized, well, oh, like this guy's getting screwed over. Like, you know, he's, he's, he's like, okay, fine, I'll do that, but let me help these people at least. And then now he can't help those people. And I'm like, oh, like he's, I don't know. Something about that line made me realize that 
if anything, it showed the Empire's power and grasp and made me hate the Empire even more and being like, this is just a guy trying to make it. And obviously, you know, he was trying to help at least someone and now he's getting screwed over completely. So, because I do remember like when Chewie grabs him and is about to choke him, I'm like, don't do it. He wants to help you. Like, I remember thinking that. And so even back then, I, you know, I realized how he was being manipulated by the Empire. Um, and, you know, overall, it's his character. I mean, I know a lot of us are fans of Solo and Donald Glover. I don't know. That that was possessed by that character, man. That was as perfect as a young Lando gets. But it also shows, like, who he was, you know? He was a swindler. He was just, that was just the kind of character he was. And seeing, you know, you know, Solo influenced my, my, my love for Lando in Empire more than the prequels influence, you know, influenced the original, like seeing Lando there. I was like, yeah, I like that guy. <laughs> but yeah, even back then, man, it was just like that line where he's just like, that's not part of the deal. I was just like, Oh, stupid empire. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. As a kid, you you immediately get mad at Lando. You know, you're like, what? Hold on. Wait a second, man. What, what's up? You you met him on the tarmac. You gave him a, an old joke. You gave him a hug. Asked him how he was doing. You old scoundrel. Like, you you, you welcomed him into your home. You offered him to, to repair the ship. All these things. So when he does lead him into that, that dining room and, and Vader's there, it was like, it was like, man, this guy's this guy's a loser. Like, what the hell? But then immediately right after, you know, he he jumps to the cause. You know, he, he rises to the occasion. So he gets his own little redemption arc in these, you know, few minutes um, of, of camera time that he's on there for. Um, and not only does he attempt to save Han, he, you know, is able to get Leia and Chewie and R2 and C-3PO out. Um, he saves Cloud City. He, you know, he gets he gets the word out. They uh, evacuate the city. He saves Wilro Hoods. You know, I mean, everybody loves Wilro. You know, um, so it's just one of those things where it's like I I do understand. I I, I might have not understood back then, but I do understand his his thought process at the moment. It was like give them what they want, and maybe I'll get out of this thing. And the moment that things started to go wrong for him he immediately started to you know percolate in his mind like okay i gotta i gotta think of a backup plan here because things are not going to go the way that i want them to and if they're not going to go the way that i wanted them to then these guys ain't getting what they want so he he did the best he could uh so yeah no definitely two different sides of it and it's funny how age does play a part in how you look at a character. Uh, I'm going to jump on the agreement train. Lando did the right thing. He had the full weight of the Empire potentially going to fall down on Cloud City. He did what it took to protect his people, not an old friend. Um, While creating an agreement he thought would work out for him, which didn't because he was dealing with the Empire, um, which caused him to, in the end, turn rebel and lose Cloud City. It's actually expanded upon in um, aftermath that they have to retake Cloud City from Empire Loyalist, who are telling people the Emperor is not dead. Um, Rocco, I'm going to disagree with you for a moment, though. Uh, Vader does have his coolest line to Lando, but it's, I'm altering the deal, pray I don't alter it any further. 
That is the coolest line Vader has. That is. Uh, I like the sarcasm of perhaps you feel you're being treated unfairly. I don't know. I just thought that that was like he was flexing right there. Like, but I mean, I could I, I could see your point. I just we say that scene was just excellent between the two. of Yeah, <laughs> I mean, OK, <laughs> I guess we're splitting hairs. I guess we're splitting hairs. Yeah. You know, as an adult, definitely Lando made the right choice. That's it. Um, the bigger question for me is like, doesn't when does Vader realize that Leia is his daughter? Like, he's clearly aware that he has two kids. Like, when is this happening? No, he's not. <laughs> he doesn't. He just thinks Padme had one kid. Yeah, he's yeah, that yeah. Into you know, with he, the he finds out. He yes. finds out in the in the in the third. He's like sister in return. Have oh, a yeah. in return. Yeah. He sent yeah. yeah. sister in the last one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like my dude. Oh, all right. That's gonna be the next podcast. And, that, right. and then that's <laughs> and then that's when the music. That's when that's when the music swells. And that, yeah, the music, Luke, the music swells, <laughs> and Luke is like, "No!" and he jumps out with the lightsaber. I know, like, I remember go, wild shit later in that that scene. But we're gonna have to do the oh, yeah, three years, guys. Years. <laughs> remember to Vader, Anakin is a different person. He does not remember everything that Anakin knows, and he thinks Anakin died at the end of the Clone Wars. I don't know about that. I can agree that with the comics and everything. I don't know. Yeah, no, he. We could do a whole podcast on Anakin Vader psychology. Yes, we should. Right. I think it. I think it has a lot to do with accepting the monster (laughs) that you've become. You know what I'm saying? So it's not so much that he thinks that Anakin is dead. Number one, there was no. they, They didn't show any sonograms or them or him taking. Padme to the OBGYN. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> at the end of the day, in his mind, he was having a baby, right? The baby, he was, he was on fire. He was a roasted marshmallow at that point when she was giving birth. I doubt that if there was any connection, it was between him and Padme, not so much the kids. So yes, uh, like in return, he finds out because Luke is trying to bury it. Luke is trying to hold all that down and he can't. At that moment, he's thinking of everybody that if he dies, this guy's going to get a hold of. So yes, he betrays himself and lets <laughs> Vader know. But I, I don't know. Yeah, we can say, go on. Well, we can go, well, for, we can go on forever about Vader. Yeah, we could, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to go to commercial, and we'll be right back to talk a little bit more about Amplex Back. All this top 40 music is so boring. Jeez, I sure wish I had something geeky to listen to. Well, I've got just the thing for you, stranger. Who are you, and how did you get in my house? Don't even worry about that. If you're looking for the latest, greatest, and geekiest podcasts around, you should check out Those Geeks You Know. Those Geeks You Know? Wow! Three friends talking about comic books, movies, TV shows, all the things that I geek out about. But seriously, you gotta leave now. Be sure to check out Those Geeks You Know on iTunes and Stitcher. You can also like us on Facebook and Twitter and tell everybody that you know. You, you gotta leave. I called the cops. From the far reaches of the galaxy to an internet location near you, we're don'tforgetatowel.com, your daily source for geeky pop culture news, reviews, interviews, and so much more. So as you're hitchhiking your way through the universe, don't forget to travel safe, and don't forget a towel. Do you 
Like That Comics is the publishing branch of Don'tForgetATowel.com, the only place to travel geekly. Focusing on creator-owned and independent titles like Hollowed, Pursuit of Plastic, and Fairy, and many more. DFAT Comics will be a mix of genres appealing to every kind of reader. Join the new source of comic book entertainment with DFAT Comics. And we are back from those commercials. Uh, we're here talking about Empire Strikes Back 40th anniversary. And so the next question I want to ask you guys, let's talk a little bit about uh, what Obi-Wan said on Dagobah to Yoda as Luke was departing to go save his friends from Lando. Uh, he says, that boy is our last hope. And Yoda responds, no, there is another. And so after watching, you know, into Return of the Jedi, knowing that Leia was his sister, we all assumed that he, he was talking about her at that point. Now, after all the prequels and sequels and Clone Wars and whatnot, uh, how, do you, how do you look at that statement? Um, do you look at it in a different perspective? Do you still think it's Leia? Or do you, do you tie it to another Jedi, perhaps, that came later in canon? Um, I love that question. I love this question, by the way. Um, so I definitely read a couple things where now that we have the sequel trilogy, Yoda is really talking about Rey or whatever the hell it is. And, you know, you take those things with with a grain of salt and unless Lucasfilm, unless correct me if I'm wrong, if Lucasfilm came out and specifically said now that's the way it is. But in terms of me and 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 growing up with these, films, it's always going to be Leia. He was always talking. And, and in my mind. It, it I with the sequel trilogy, yeah, it does change my perspective, but it's still Leia. And the reason I'm saying that is without Leia, Ray wouldn't have continued her training. Uh, she he remember that Ray called her master, and I thought that that scene in Rise of Skywalker, that simple thing where she said yes and paused and said master. I think that there was so much weight to that because we're, we sure we didn't get to see really Leia wielding a lightsaber except for that flashback scene towards the end of the film. Um, but we got to see her as a master, you know, even if they had to superimpose her in, I think they did a fantastic job with that. Um, you know, there was some obviousness to it, of course, at times, but regardless, either way, Yoda meant Leia. And if that means that it was because Leia was going to train the one that was going to finally put an end to the Emperor, then to me, that's good enough. Um, but yeah, it's always been Leia, even if we do have to think about it differently now. Yeah, I, I would say it's definitely got to be Leia, but for a different reason. I I think that their, their focus point of The Last Hope was on converting Vader, you know, taking him down in terms of weakening the Emperor. Because without Vader, Emperor, the Emperor has his weak, he, he's weakened, he's without his greatest asset, which is Anakin. And if Luke fails to do it, then Leia would be the only other way to get through to Anakin inside of Darth Vader. So it's it's definitely, like you said, Rocco, it's got to be Leia. But I don't think it's more for the global aspect of whatever these, you know, these threads are talking about with it being about Rey. It's, it's just got to be a lot more family ties at this point. Luke and Leia are the children of Anakin Skywalker. We've got to weaken the Empire by getting Anakin away from the Emperor. 
and this is how we do it through his kids. So that is what they're trying to focus on. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with that. I mean, let's just take the original trilogy as the original trilogy without any movies. That was exactly the idea. They're like, I think, you know, Luke was already into everything and training and wanting to be a Jedi and Leia was not aware of all that. And so that's why Obi-Wan was just like, he's our last hope because he's into this already. And like, if he if he rushes into this and can't, you know, change Vader, then then we're lost. And Yoda's obviously saying, well, I'm pretty sure the sister can do more. And I would love to, to think and connect the movies that, oh, he's thinking about Rey or even future Leia. But obviously, you know, it's, it's that moment and, it, and it's the battle against Vader. And I think, in fact, that, I mean, that's, it's a cycle. And that cycle ends because, you know, Vader turning back to Anakin, he's the one who kills the Emperor. He throws him down. He, that, that moment was cathartic in, like, the victory. And that's proven because in the, in the ending of Rise, when Rey's hearing all the voices, you hear Anakin's voice... And Christensen specifically say, um, restore the balance like I did. So he's literally referring to the moment where he became good and killed Vader. I mean, and killed the Emperor. You know, he killed Vader, I guess. But he's referring to the moment where he was saved by his child and grabbed the... And so he did restore balance. And that, that, that was the end of that cycle. And so the next cycle begins, and there's always, I think, you know, there's always going to be another cycle, another dark side and another light side. And so for that cycle specifically, it was all about saving Anakin, you know, through Vader. And that was the key of taking the Emperor down. And, and, and you know, if, if Luke wasn't able to do that, it was going to be Leia. Yeah, I, I say definitely Leia, but but for a different reason, just because... There's a there's a book called From a Certain Point of View, and there's a story in there that uh, focuses on Yoda and his determination for training a Skywalker and how his preference was never Luke. It was never Luke. He was always looking at her and watching her and waiting for her. And that's why he's so hesitant in. Uh, in Empire, uh, and he tells him, you know, I can't train him. This kid's always looking off to the future and the horizon. He's never focusing on where he's at or what he's doing. You know, he's not the one. And it takes convincing. You know, he's like, he even asked Ben, he's like, is he going to finish this or what? Like, if I give him this, if I give him this opportunity. So to me, at that moment, when he's like, that boy is our last hope. And, and Yoda tells him, no, there is another, is because he's so, he's a, he's been certain of Leia for so long that he knows that if Luke fails, Leia is the one that, 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 that's going to come through for them. So I don't think it's about Ray, uh, that, that foresight and that connection that that's, that's now where, you know, you've got people who can sit on YouTube for hours and make all these sort of subliminal connections. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's, to me, it was always Leia. So I don't think it was about Ray. I think it's possible that it wasn't about Leia, but it, Leia's most likely. Um, I think the the points being is I think Yoda's endgame was always to turn Anakin back to the light side, and he knew that Anakin could beat the Emperor. I don't think he thought Luke could beat the Emperor. 
he thought Luke could turn Vader. And Yoda already tried plan number one, send the apprentice, send Ahsoka. Ahsoka turns Vader back to Anakin. Oh shit, that fails. Um, Now we're back to the drawing board. Well, Luke's our last hope. Ben never technically meets Leia in episode four because he dies before she gets on the ship. So he may not have been able to sense her force ability. And from a certain point of view shows us that Yoda did actually want to train Leia and not Luke. Um, So it's most likely that it's Leia. But I actually hope that uh, in November, Empire, from a certain point of view, clarifies this a little bit. That would be really nice, actually, to have a follow-up story around this line. I just want to interject real quick, just because um, when they give the babies out on the ship at the end of episode three, and the three, like, Bale is there, and Yoda's there, and Obi-Wan's there, right? And so they clearly say where the babies are going. Um, So Ben knows, right? I would imagine, because they even allude to it in Rogue One. That's my only yeah, argument no. against that. But oh yeah, does he, he know yeah, she's yeah. force sensitive enough to turn Vader? Okay, you're not saying she he doesn't know who she is. Yeah, I'm not okay, saying okay, he, okay. I'm saying what he doesn't know is that she has the force and could confront Vader in the way that needs to be confronted to turn Vader. Okay. Not that he doesn't know that Leia like, been like a, a little ego thing. He's like, yo, I've spent all these years watching this kid, man. It better be this kid. <laughs> yeah, it could be that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the Kenobi show uh, reveals some of those, you know? Who knows? I mean, let's be honest here. What does Yoda really do? I mean, period. Throughout the Clone Wars, yeah, he kills a few droids. That's cool. You know, he spouts some certain points of wisdom, but again, he's got the most powerful Sith literally next door and he never detects him. And then he's like, you know, what? I'm going to go sit in this swamp world. I know there's this chick out there who I could be training. I'm going to talk about her brother being too old. So I guess she's the exact same fucking age and I'm just going to ignore that. Like, I'm sorry, but. When those movies made Yoda just seem like a douchebag, to be quite honest with you. Now, granted, I love Yoda. (laughs) I love his backwards speak. I'm a huge Jim Henson fan. So, like, I love him. But when you really look at the greater picture of Star Wars, Yoda's just kind of an asshole who is blind to anything but his own hubris. And therefore, useless. One thing to add here. I don't think George Lucas knew Leia was Luke's sister during Empire. So that other could have been anyone, but it was clarified in Jedi who it was. That I would I, definitely believe. They touch upon it. They touch upon it in that script notes podcast. The, Lawrence Kasdan talks about it, that they, that they didn't. They didn't have the brother and sister line thing figured out. They knew... They knew that Vader was his father. They knew that for sure. But he doesn't go into complete details. But I don't think that they knew he was his sister until return, until they sat down in a, in a room together and they started to bang that movie out. So at the end of the day, like they were like, OK, well, maybe we can do something with this later. You know, it's his sister, whatever, blah, blah. Maybe they had thoughts of other Star Wars movies, but 
that never came to fruition until much later on the road and he went the other way uh but but yeah no for sure that he didn't the kiss tells it all the kiss to make Khan jealous like that if he would have known that they were brother and sister he would have never had that scene in that movie he would have he never was just hopping I don't, on the I don't game know about of thrones that. train early yep he was hopping on that incest train early <laughs> I agree with you, you up to that last, last thing there, Ruben. I agree with you up to that, but even, even, even that kiss would have been okay as kind of like a weird thing if we if we all knew. But I I do agree with that. I do like that you you found that out about the uh, the script. I think that's a really good insight. To Yoda's defense, and I forgot if I I think I saw it during the the making of the Mandalorian because I I guess you know, Filoni's protege of lucas and they talked a lot and maybe this was something lucas just failed to show but in the clone wars you know yoda is given up like he's he doesn't he's like kind of pulled him detached himself with what was going on because he realizes the things again that we were talking about that luke has realized in the latter movies that they shouldn't have been involved in this war and, and they've kind of like gotten entangled. And so Filoni was saying how he was talking to George. And I don't know if I read that, if I heard that in the, in the Mandalorian making, or if I read another article with Filoni, but he was talking about how like him and George were talking about how at that point in the clone wars, Yoda has just kind of like, he's just depressed. He's just gotten closed himself off because this is a war and the Jedi shouldn't be in it. And, you know, you know, to Yoda's defense, because Casey hates Yoda at this point. I know, but I mean, <laughs> at, at that point in the Clone Wars, that's when you want to give up? Give up on Dagobah. You lost. You got your ass kicked. That's fine. But don't give up oh, during the Clone Wars. I meant like he was kind of like, the, he was he's get out, he not gave up, but he was against what the Jedi were doing as a whole. Like, he realized that the Jedi should have not been involved in this war and in the Republic. Um, But I'll have to find that. I mean, quote. that's that's... Again, a, a full podcast. podcast. <laughs> we should be, be yeah. make, taking notes of like we're gonna walk yeah. out like all right, Press we got fifteen podcasts we need to do now. Yeah, don't don't worry, that's being done. <laughs> it's like a full list over here. <laughs> nice. You have a podcast about Thank the list of podcasts. Exists. We got years. We got years to go. You know. So. Oh yeah, bring it um, on. Everybody, everybody. Got that last one answered, right? In case you're good. All right, awesome. Um, let me ask you guys this. What's your favorite scene or sequence from Empire Strikes Back? <laughs> well, I mean, this is awkward because Casey obviously hates Yoda. So... <laughs> um, <laughs> my... <laughs> No, so my favorite scene is that my favorite sequence is going to be Yoda um, training Luke. Um, honestly, you know, as a kid seeing that, um, to me, that was the closest thing I had to religion. Um, like real, (laughs) real, like, uh, religion was what Yoda freaking taught Luke. Uh, and I love that. And my favorite line, which if watching the Mandalorian doc, it was just awesome to, uh, hear Taika say that he and I have the same favorite line of the film which is when luke says i don't believe it and yoda says that is why you fail and uh pretty much to me that 
that summed up the entire the entire situation um, is that Luke doesn't believe in himself enough to just like let go. And uh, yeah, uh, very distracting. All the things popping up onto my screen right now. <laughs> just sitting there going, what are they talking about? No, uh, <laughs> right. No, but uh, yes, definitely that training sequence uh, was incredible and really just gave a frame, gave us the best framework at that time of what the Jedi were. And, you know, uh, passive and only use your powers for defense and using the force for knowledge. And, you know, we didn't get any of that fleshed out in A New Hope. We just knew that there were these guys that were Jedi. They had laser swords. And that was pretty awesome. You know, fast forward to Empire, Yoda's laying down like a like a dogma, like a religion that's actually like awesome um, within within the that scene of, of that. And, you know, Luke flipping around and swinging from vines and seeing that as a kid, just being like, yeah, dude, I'm going to try and do that in the backyard, you know? <laughs> so, yes, uh, my favorite sequence. Nice. Rocco, I think you and I should sit down privately more often and talk about Star Wars because you and I are of the same mind, apparently. That's uh, first time I've to, ever heard that. I know, right? See, I can't hear happen. you. <laughs> Star Wars does bring people together, despite what some may say. Uh, I, I I would say that it, it's it's that sequence as well. It's the mo- my favorite line from this whole movie is when Yoda says luminous beings are we not this crude matter that is Boom. always my favorite line and it's it, it's also kind of accented by the puppetry god i love jim henson and the work that he does um <clears throat> but where, where when he says not this crude matter you see this tiny little green hand just come from off screen and grab luke by the shoulders like it's just that small touch but it's also as Yoda is going into the detail of talking about where the Force lives and how it connects everything, you see the eyes of the puppets start to get a little bit wider. And he's, you talk about his dogma in there, Rocco. It's, it's the utter adoration of this entity that lives and connects all living beings and creatures and life forms together. And his absolute, not worship, but like I said, adoration of it and respect and awe of its power is just such a great moment in this this film. You've got the fantastic speeder fight. You've got the asteroid chase. You've got, you know, the, the finale fight between Luke and Vader. But to me, you give me... Yoda and that phenomenal John Williams score as it just sweeps as he's talking about the mysticism of the force and belittles existence to just being you are small and compared to this. Uh, I'll take that over anything else in this movie. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I'm just going to jump on that bandwagon. Um, yeah. It, it, like I mentioned before, I don't physically remember the first time I saw it. I just remember Jedi and knowing the story. And as, as I mentioned earlier, like some of those scenes with the snow and I think some one of the visions in my head is just the, the snow speeder circling around the ATATs with the with the wire is always stuck in my head. Um, but the cave, the cave, it, it was more than just 
cinematic like visualness there was like that's luke that that's luke's face and it, there was so much more to it that even at the time i didn't get but it, it just blew my mind it it, it it there were it was just to me i guess as a child it was just exp- showing you that there's there's levels of understanding and and metaphors and things and at the time again i didn't understand but i knew there was more to it and man yeah that like that's that's almost like not a nightmare but you know vader lying on the ground with like smoke coming out of the mask and luke's face being there is forever ingrained in my memory like that that image is to me, one of the most iconic images of any film ever in my life. Like that, just the body, you know, the helmet, the facial part missing, smoke coming out, and you see it's Luke's face. I think that was it. Yeah, um, I, I think it's, it, we talk about psychology and what brings Star Wars fans together and and uh, and the things that, that, that kind of, again impacted us as children and still stick with us today um it is that scene that scene where yoda is teaching luke and giving him religion or dogma or you know the the ten commandments of the jedi however you want to look at it um it's a teaching moment and it's not for luke it's for us so that we can learn as human beings, that if we connect with one another, there's nothing we can't do. And it is that line when he pulls that the, the X-Wing out of the water and puts it on the ground next to Luke. And Luke says, I, I can't believe it. And he just deadpan looks at him and says, and that's why you fail. And that, to me, is the lesson. That, to me, that is empire in a nutshell. Like, You cannot defeat and face your demons. Again, the cave, it's all psychology. The mass bursting and him seeing himself, that is Luke's insecurities, his fears, his anger, his rage, all staring back at him in that cave. So to me, that that whole Dagobah sequence is is just pure genius. And it sticks and has stuck for a long time. I mean, you don't know how many times that somebody would say something like, Oh man, <clears throat> I, I I can't do it, and I'm like, that's why you fail. I'm like, what do you mean? Because because you don't believe in it, man. It's like just believe that you can and you will, and it's such a corny, cliche thing, but it's fucking true, man. You know what I'm saying? You put the work in, you will get it out, and that's what he was trying to tell Luke. Like connecting with this shit, and 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 centering yourself, and finding yourself, and being able to let go of all of your insecurities and and connect that is that is what that that's what it's all about so yeah that's that's my favorite sequence of the entire franchise like there is not one that rivals it to me there's nothing else that comes even close so you know and and it's funny because i was watching it today and my son's only one so he doesn't get it but watching him just watch it is like it gave me chills because i'm like Man, when this kid is able to get it, the shit that I'm going to drop on him is going to blow his mind. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and my hope is that it sticks with him the way it stuck with, obviously, all of us. Because it is the scene. 
you know even Rocco who is who loves Vader it's not a Vader scene it's it's that scene so it says a lot about that and it says a lot about Lawrence Kasdan as a fucking writer so yeah you'll have to excuse me I gotta go grab some tissues right now (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've got you covered oh oh god for what (laughs) oh yeah turn your camera off time next time please uh, so for me, it's either the entire Hoth sequence, um, including um, the Wampa cave or the dark side cave scene of the Dagobah sequence. Um, all of Hoth is perfect from the Wampa cave to having to stay warm in the Tauntaun to that battle. That is just a great opening to a movie um so it's those two things yeah i'm gonna echo what jake said i remember seeing luke get that lightsaber out of the snow and that was like our first force move in my opinion because everything else was just a a lightsaber battle shittily done but whatever it was sweet as hell when we were a kid (laughs) And um, now it's like, ugh, Italy. great. Give me, give me that sweet ass YouTube video that that guy re-edited. <laughs> yes, put that in the yes. movie because that's badass. But like, <laughs> you know, you know, I can't see it. It's a podcast. Um, but anyway, so, but seeing Luke grab that lightsaber, I was like, what? Like, what? You can, you can do this with this force thing, and then it's blood. Like, what? This is a horror movie now? Like, I was just like, what the fuck is going on? So the whole, again, and then when he goes and, and cuts open um, the the ATATs and the whole Hoth, the music, that it's so bright, and Vader's walking through the snow all regal as fuck. Like, it's just, I <laughs> love that opening so much. And honestly, it's my favorite battle in all of star Wars for me, uh, is the Hoth battle. So I, I love it. And, um, yeah, everything else that you guys said is also correct. Like the Yoda stuff as I'm older, totally connects and, and I love it. And even though he only trained Luke for, I don't know, four hours and he's a fucking Jedi, but whatever you guys like that. Hey, Colin, what'd you want to say? I was just going to say, fun fact about uh, the Wampa scene is that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Luke Sky or Luke Sky, Mark Hamill did not know that in prior to editing that uh, Luke was cutting off the arm of the Wampa. He was just waving the lightsaber around to scare it away. And then when he saw the edited cut of it, he was actually really pissed off because he saw Luke as a peaceful person, would never be uh, one to disarm an animal so just a fun little tidbit there <laughs> it's funny because mark hamill also wanted to come in with like a dragon claw earring and scars and like return from all the stuff he's been through <laughs> so i do have to share that um i do love that hawk sequence the most um i think that with star wars comes wars and war sequences and these kind of sequences yep I didn't find them in the other films as much. Yeah, we got them and they were CGI'd and blah, blah, blah. But none of them had that kind of like, like that influence that the Hoth scene with the, the AT-AT is my favorite vehicle in Star Wars. 
Um, and it's because of that. I love the snow speeders. I just love how rugged they are. And that whole scene and watching like the behind the scenes things with the miniatures, it's just such an amazing sequence. And for me, I just, I love, I love war movies. So like that kind of scene really did it for me from the beginning. And yeah, those, I think those are definitely some of my earliest memories are, are Hoth, just the snow planet. But I did want to bring up another scene in Empire that is very, very, like very important and very like inspiring in a way because now that you think about things after watching the trilogy, it's when Luke is hanging by his by his last, you know, no hand, no life left him hanging from Bespin, and he calls out to Leia, and he says, "Leia, hear me," and he and she hears him, and we all want to debate about did we like like Ruben says like it wasn't in the script, but where did that scene come from like? How is she adept? Like, how is she that adept to be able to hear him? He's reaching out with a force. Is it that she's force sensitive that she that he that she hears him, or is it just that he's that strong and can say, "Hey, Leia, hear me"? I don't know. It's just even today when I watch those scenes, with it just gives me chills. I think that, <clears throat> and again, we we'd have to like go back and listen to interviews and things like that. But I think that there is there's a little bit of seed planning there, you know, uh, because he calls out to Ben first. And Ben yeah. ignores him. You know, Ben doesn't reach back out. So he calls back out to the only Typical. other person. You know, <laughs> just like at the beginning of the movie, Luke was laying, dying, and Ben pops up and he's like, hey, yo, you got to go to Dagobah. All right. <laughs> I'll see you later. So, and they joke about that too in the other podcast as well. But it's funny because it's true. It's one of the, it's, it's those things that Casey does bring up that, that are actual valid points. <clears throat> These guys, were shitty leaders. You know what I'm saying? They just didn't do a good job. Um, and of course, we romanticized them um, the way that, again, ha- uh, Luke acknowledges in eight. Um, so I think that I love how it kind of pulls from its own blissful ignorance. You know, like it's very self-aware almost. Um, uh, is seven, eight, and nine are. Uh, but but again, going back to to those things, Luke does reach out to Leia because I think it's the only other person that he connects with um, on that level. And I think it maybe says something about what he feel he feels towards her and what he feels in the force. I ahead, think Moses. in, in return, when Leia said, you know, when, when he says that you're my sister and she goes, you know, Oh, sometimes somehow I've always known when she says that, I think of that scene in empire, mm-hmm. that moment right there, like automatically, yes. every time I watch that movie, yes. when she says, I've always, I've kind of always known it just flashes back to right. that moment right mm-hmm. there. Oh, what's funny is we get a mirror moment too, right after that too, where there's a connection in the force as well with Vader and Luke, when Luke is on the Falcon and Vader's on his ship and he's calling out to him and he's like, son, and Luke pops up. He's like that father, you know what I'm saying? Like he doesn't waste, like he's already accepted it. He already knows it's his father. And that connection, I think, Maybe those are seeds, you know, that probably prompted them again when they got together to say, you know what, let's make this a family affair. And they're they're this, you know, that's his sister. So, you know, who knows? It, it would be nice to sit down with like Filoni or or even fucking George and be like or, or Lawrence Kasdan, because, again, motherfucker is a genius um, and knows this stuff, too. So it's like th- those are all cool little things that we could talk about forever. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, guys. So. We're going to wrap this episode with one last question. And so 
I'm going to ask, where does Empire Strikes Back rank in your lineup of Star Wars movies? If it's not number one, tell us where it is and why. And also, you're able to share any last thoughts about Empire before we close. Um, no secret, Empire is definitely my favorite uh, Star Wars film. Um, I think it's every other film in my mind is compared to that. Um, Empire is also my favorite film of all time, of, of all movies. It's the one movie I can just put on and just repeatedly just play. Um, I love it from start to finish. Um, I've been waiting for a movie to ever be, in my mind, better than that. And I, I just haven't seen it. I've got a lot of favorite favorite movies, but that would definitely be my most, absolutely most favorite. Um, and uh, just my last... <laughs> yes, Joe Dirt, Casey, thank you. No. Um, no, but with that being said, you said any final thoughts uh, for Empire Strikes Back? And uh, I love under your bonus questions the you use "I love you" or "I know" and "I know" with your with your partner. Um, so that was my our cake topper for our wedding. Um, she had a custom made cake topper that had this like really it was just lettering and it was like in cursive and it said "I love you" dot 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 and underneath it said "I know." And uh, what's great is my wife said we were absolutely not going to do a Star Wars wedding because we're just not doing it because she's not a huge fan. And I showed up to the reception hall, like where we got married and she had actually done a star Wars wedding and never <gasps> told me. And awesome. yeah. And my cuff, my cuff links were uh, little Darth Vader helmets. And I didn't even know that that was happening until I got there. Like, yeah. Like my mom was holding on to those. You, I would marry you now. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. Right. Uh, and your tables were like all like, uh, the tables were all symbols. So like it was the rebel rebel symbol, the Imperial symbol, the Republic symbol, the CIS symbol, and you use that to find your table. And, uh, and then the, I love you. I know on to, on the cake and she walked down the aisle to princess Leia's theme. Uh, and my daughter, nice. the, yeah, my daughter is the flower girl walked down the aisle to Ray's theme. And then when we said I do, they actually played like the triumphant like, which was pretty badass. Again, guys, I knew none of this was happening. Like, I I was like, what the actual fuck in a happy way. So, yeah, uh, definitely to that bonus question that you weren't going to ask, I was going to answer it anyway. (laughs) Chris, you might have to edit this to to end the podcast with that story right there. Right? Right? (laughs) Seriously. These bonus he, questions that us, yeah, these bonus questions he's talking about, we couldn't get to listeners, so we're sorry. Maybe we'll do a, a extended version. <laughs> uh, man, I, can't, I I don't know how to follow up that, Rocco. What the hell? You should have gone last. Uh, sorry. To tell that story. Whew, that's a good one. Holy hell. Uh, as a well, note, thank you. Uh, I, I could never use the uh, I love you, I know thing, um, just because my significant other that I love more than life itself um she didn't grow up with star wars so watching that first time as a grown adult in a time where dudes saying crap like that would be like the utter douchey thing to say it doesn't exactly fly well while we have it a a soft spot here in the chest other people watching it for the first time probably won't so i'll just stick with the old school that said, uh, where does this movie rank? It really depends on what you're asking me for ranking. Um, 
if you're asking me where do I rank it because out of the quality of make, it's always and every day going to be number one. Um, it is you, you brought in Irving Kirshner to direct this this movie specifically, and he was known for his character movies focus on human interactions, human relationships, and that focus in both the directorial as well as the writing completely and utterly changed Star Wars for the future of the franchise, specifically in this movie. So if you told me I had to rank them based on their quality as films and stories as Star Wars, it's always going to be number one. But if you ask me to rank it based on how much I love them as a kid that grew up into a 35-year-old kid, I would say it's third. But only because of where I love the the fun of the adventure itself. And Empire is not as much of an adventure as movies like Jedi or um, even just A New Hope itself. Yeah, I'm on the I'm on that same boat. Uh, like every time I watch them, and I try to do all of them chronologically right now. You know, I like one and two uh, and three is good and four is obviously amazing. And when I watch five, I'm like, this is my favorite Star Wars movie. And when I watch six, I'm like, no, this is my favorite Star Wars movie. And I think Return is probably my my favorite, but I think uh, Empire is the best because it really kind of delves into the Jedi, which obviously I know it's Star Wars and, and, and that's a big part of it. But I mean, yeah, it, it, you know, it has, it has the war that, that Chris was pointing out earlier in the beginning. It has the, I mean, it, it, it has the heart of everything that is Star Wars to me. So five is, it's, it's just hand in hand with six, like six is my favorite, but five is technically a better movie. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, there, there is no time where I've watched it and I'm like, no, it's five. And then I watch the sixth one. No, it's this one. And then I watch the fifth one. I'm like, but I think overall, the Empire is probably the best one. I mean, because it just changed things. It changed things not only for Star Wars, for filmmaking. Like, overall. Because, you know, a couple years later was The Dark Crystal with the puppeteering, which is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, you had the Muppets movie before that. And you, you have all these movies with Muppets coming of the Labyrinth a few years after that. But but Empire just, you know, they made Yoda real, man. When when Yoda, like, I, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about those scenes when Luke is walking around with a robot and an X-Wing in the, in the swamp and a green alien training him. And it's just, yeah, no, I'm, I'm yeah, we're like, we're talking about Empire. So, yeah, Empire is the best one right now. It's it's it, it changed it changed Star Wars it changed filmmaking it changed storytelling I mean I pro, pro, Empire's probably like I like Return the most but Empire's probably the best one of the best films not Star Wars films films I've ever seen in my life even now even years later even rewatching it and A New Hope feels old if you watch it now Empire does not feel old Empire just I, I can't, man. I can't. It's too good. It's too good. It's too much. Um, yeah, no, I, you know, Empire, for, it, Empire, let's get it out of the way. Empire is the greatest sequel ever, right? Like, there is no other sequel that tops 
that 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 movie, right? Uh, so it's it's probably the most perfect follow up to any original. Get the Jesus Christ, get, leave right now, Casey. Get out of here, man. Get, you know what? That's a fucking podcast. Well, I'm not even gonna bring up what you said. I'm not even gonna say it. Um, anyway, it's a close one. No, it's not a. You know what? Oh, it's a close one. No, it is not. It is. I'm not. gonna fight this fight God. too. Oh God! You know what? This is a podcast. This is gonna. This is gonna turn into a rant. Aliens is fucking a popcorn movie, man. Like the movie has no substance. Okay. <laughs> Alien. Alien is the. Aliens is the oh best my God, man! Get out. Who's here. controlling this? Mute I'm not, him. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing it. I'm not. You're not gonna make me. I'm, you're not going to trigger go, me. Go on, Ruby, um, go on. All right, all right. So, yes, Empire, hands down, greatest sequel. Um, but to me, not, not you know, it's in my top three if we're talking about ranking uh, Star Wars films. And, and, and I'm going to go through, you know, if we're going to talk about them, we go through all of them. Uh, for me, it, my favorite is A New Hope, uh, then Return, then Empire. Uh, and then, you know, we go from there. But... But uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I love Empire. I really do. I, I do. But but I think like Colin um, uh, and, and like Moses, um, I think, honestly speaking, it, it's the adventure, the adventure that A New Hope takes you on, the adventure that Return takes you on. Empire takes its time. It slows it, it, it slows you down and it gives you all this layers and all this story and all this uh, religion and all that that great stuff that you want out of a movie um but the roller coaster the fun is 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 what gets me but but yeah i mean i love empire there's no denying it i mean there's it's definitely the perfect sequel uh it's number one of the star wars movies for me um without a doubt uh growing up it was probably jedi uh because it was the one i remember from growing up but now that i'm older it's empire um, my fun fact is, if you listen to the soundtrack show at all, the Star Wars soundtrack is absolutely amazing. Empire is the first place the Imperial Marches played. It did not exist in A New Hope. Yep. It comes out in Empire, what? and it is the like quintessential Star Wars song. I feel like the you got your intro, the opening uh, fanfare, and then the Imperial March are like the two Star Wars songs. Duel of the Fates, okay? I see. Yes. Uh, but yes. I don't know. And I, I think that's a great fact about it. And you should also listen to the soundtrack show on Empire. Yeah, Jake, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to include that as one of the questions. And I didn't. So thank you. Because the Imperial March is such an influential song through everything from sporting events to movies to whatever you know it's just it, it's there amongst us and it was birthed in this movie the minute we saw that shadow that superstar destroyer <laughs> all right casey go ahead man yeah so it's gonna be jedi um as far as my favorite and it's just because it's more fun like straight up the minox scene is boring as fuck and like when they get to bespin there's a lot of setup it's fine it's whatever like, I get it, but, like, really, it goes Hoth, a bunch of random shit, Dagobah, some other setup shit, then that sweet fight sequence at the end and Han getting frozen in carbonite. So, I love Empire. 
I get it from a writer's perspective, from a character development perspective. It is the superior movie of all the Star Wars movies. But as far as like straight up, am I going to enjoy Rancor, Speeder Bike, Fight Sequence, Space Battle, etc.? Jedi every day, all day. Sure. No, I, I absolutely agree with that. And you know what's the tough thing for me is that I love Empire. It is my favorite movie and probably my favorite movie of all time as well. But that Jabba sequence at the beginning of Return of the Jedi is my favorite movie sequence of all time, period. So that's what always gets me with, uh, with Jedi versus Empire. But what Empire did between the two movies is something that is pretty much unprecedented in, movie, in movies up to that point, I feel. And the way it changed the narrative did so much for that we talk about how it feels like a modern movie. It really does still, still, uh, still feel that way. Mm-hmm. And it will always, it will always be my center to the, to the Star Wars universe. And, uh, another little fun fact, uh, the movie, uh, Lawrence Kasdan actually hand wrote the script. So he's got it on like four legal pads. <laughs> like he had, he hand wrote all his scripts. He, he hand wrote, uh, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and Empire uh, so, I mean, you know, he would obviously hand it off to a typist and they, they would get it typed up. But the, the fact that he wrote it longhand like that to me is 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 an incredible thing, because it's like that's that's sitting in his office somewhere, you know, like that. The, like the this movie that we're talking about 40 years later, this guy and he talks about the reason why he handwrites. But but yeah, but but not to get into it, like you guys got to check out the 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 episode of that podcast but it's just it's amazing what empire has done it, it really is it really is absolutely well, well, guys, and then, no, go ahead oh sorry no you you mentioned that opening scene in return which yeah like and same thing with like casey said like return is my favorite but a lot of those scenes are built on this weight on them you know luke being who he is and then when you think about it as an adult they go back to you know empire he is who he is because of what happened there. It's just, it's such a there's they're two. It's almost like there's a new hope and then there's those two. Yep. New hope could be a movie by itself. Yeah. And, and never had those two, but but those two movies did change uh, yeah, I mean, our galaxy forever. Too, so. <laughs> and can you can you ima- can you imagine like it's 1980 or and and you know Empire's like coming, Empire Strikes Back is coming up and all you've seen is a New Hope. And the biggest thing people wanted to see was they wanted to see Luke fight Darth Vader. Everyone wanted to see Luke in a lightsaber fight. And you get it. And it happens. And it's like us. It was like us. Like we were just talking about earlier, waiting to see the Anakin versus Obi-Wan fight in episode three. For everyone else, it was, I want to see Luke throw down with Vader after killing Obi-Wan. Only to have right after that happens, Vader's like, I'm your dad, by the way. (laughs) Like, Like, bam. Bam! That's like getting just punched in the face during a movie. And I, I can't even imagine being there in 1980 in the theater when that happened. Just wow. Definitely not. I don't know if there's been that many you know, moments in, in cinema since then either that have that kind of influence. Um, there are, but not not at that caliber. So, all right, guys, um, I just want to thank you all for, for joining, joining me tonight on this show. I love that we uh, have the opportunity to do this. And I'm looking forward to the next episode. So we got to talk about what that topic is going to be. We uh, we did come up with a few uh, 
tonight. So uh, we'll go back to the drawing board and do that. Uh, listeners, you can find us wherever you download podcasts. We are the Star Warriors, and we will see you next time. May the Force be with you. Thank you.